The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello. Are you ready to grow your company globally through subsidiaries? Well, that's a smart strategy, according to emergent researcher Steve King. He says, and I quote, Almost three-quarters of global GDP, that's gross domestic product, growth over the next decade is expected to come from emerging market countries. How can you not participate in that growth? We'll talk to Steve more later. But the road to profitable subsidiaries can be bumpy. SAP's Mike Morell cautions, quote, subsidiaries have been the stepchildren of the corporate world always a second priority. If corporate organizations can put a strategy in place that brings all the pieces together, you're going to get one plus one equals three. This is the home run everyone is looking for. Thank you for that, Mike. So our experts today will explore key considerations for you when you're thinking about creating and optimizing your your subsidiaries. We'll talk about the rewards of, aha, reduced labor costs. I bet that's at the top of your list. And tax havens can't be too far behind versus the risks of losing your organizational identity and the costs of opening versus, uh uh-oh, dismantling a sub if you have to. I want to tell you about my four special guests today before we bring them on. Brian Summer founded TechVentive to help technology firms win more, win better, and win conclusively in their marketplace. Brian has a unique mix of serious technology expertise Thousands of hours working with Fortune 500 top executives and a rock-solid marketing background, and he knows how to write a great bio. Professor El Felipe Montiero is an assistant professor of management at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. His research focuses on how multinational corporations access external knowledge across organizational, technological, and geographical boundaries. Steve King, who I mentioned before, is a founding partner at Emergent Research and a senior fellow at the Society for New Communications Research. Steve's current research and consulting focus on economic decentralization, the growth of small business, and the future of work and workplaces. And last but not least is my colleague Mike Morell at SAP. Mike is a senior director of marketing for SAP Business by Design, and he calls himself a manufacturing evangelist with over 30 years experience. He's been a manufacturing manager on the factory floor, so he knows how it's done, and a vertical marketing director at HP and Adobe. And one of his recent blog titles fascinated me, and I'll ask him more later. Morel on manufacturing. I'll take my wine with chocolate. Now, that's a guy I can talk to. So, pour yourself a cup of Joe Earl or OJ and join us for Food for Thought on our today's topic, subsidiaries, 
smart game changer or global size headache. Brian Summer, you're up. How are you? Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. That's some bio. I appreciate it. But I have a quote you sent me, Brian, that just knocked my socks off, and I'd like you to tell me about it. You say eBay and PayPal could become my subsidiary strategy. What do you mean? Well, I think uh, today almost any company ends up becoming a multinational, and some of the technology that's out there from firms like eBay, PayPal, Skype, Vonage, whatever, have uh, basically been great democratizing forces that allow every company, small, mid-size, and large, to be able to set up and some level of operations or some level of sales in countries all over the world. Uh, eBay is fascinating to me because uh, mm. so much of like the electronics that people want to buy today, if they if they aren't careful when they're buying, they don't realize that maybe the seller is coming from Hong Kong. The products were made in mainland China. And mm-hmm. because of the miracle of things like air freight, the product shows up at your doorstep just a couple of days later, and you've had a big multinational transaction as a consumer, and you may not even have realized it. That's true. And you also told me that every firm today, therefore, is multinational. What does this mean for subsidiaries? And I have to take a step back, Brian. For those of our listeners who just may not exactly know what we're talking about, how do you define the term subsidiary? Well, there can be a couple of kinds of them. Um, At one level, firms may establish what's called a sales agency, uh, which is a sales office that does sales, order, takes orders and that kind of stuff, and marketing in a given country. They may not have any kind of production facilities there. They may not even have uh, wholesale distribution uh, avenues to actually move the product in country. They may rely on third parties for that. That is just an office that does and conducts sales. Uh, similarly, you could have offices in countries that just acquire product. Uh, they act as, uh, they buy raw material, for example, and have it shipped back to the home country for production mm-hmm. and other work. That, those are on one end of the extreme. You can go all the way to the other extreme, and you can have everything in country, sales, manufacturing, production, distribution, uh, you name it, it's all right there, and you create almost like uh, copycat versions of your business in every country that you operate in. That's becoming a less common avenue now because mm-hmm. there are some, clearly some economies of scale that companies want to achieve and how they deploy their subsidiary strategy. Thanks, Brian. I want to bring on my second guest and get another point of view here. He is Professor... Sir El Felipe Montiero from the Wharton School of Business. And Felipe, may I call you Felipe or would you prefer Professor? By all means, Felipe. Good morning, Bonnie. Oh, good morning. I have a quote from you. There is a big gap between the potential of subsidiary integration and the actual use of global knowledge. Talk to me, Felipe. What does that mean? I think we've been studying multinational companies for a while. And I could create a long list of advantages of having subsidiaries abroad. I think Brian mm-hmm. mentioned a few of those. Uh, I, I would also add the potential for kind of bringing innovation from other countries, the potential of sharing best practices worldwide. If that's true, and I think a number of us believe that, uh, it's also true that between this potential and the real use and the real integration, there's a big gap. So I think uh, for your listeners who are thinking about how they start new subsidiaries or how they improve the ones that they have, I think my 
first advice is you really have to think about that those things wouldn't happen naturally. You really have to put in, in place all the procedures and the strategies and the processes for to, to really take advantage of those subsidiaries. Thank you. And I have another quote from you that just intrigued me. I haven't heard this phrase in a long time, Felipe. You say the world is not flat and there's no indication that one day it will be. And we all that makes me think of Columbus. And is it going to sail off the edge of the world? What is it? 1492. Here we are millennia, millennia later. And here I'm talking to you on a Skype headset and you're on the Internet radio. And is the world becoming flat? Not who says it is, Felipe? So I think there are more recently um, the book, the bestseller by Tom Friedman, uh, where he put that point very clearly that the world is flat. And I think believing that can be misleading um, to the sense of, and, and I think I, I like your example because you say we're talking on Skype and all of us are speaking from different countries. And I think actually this is the, the typical crowd that we talk to. And if we think about this group of people, we might have this, that impression that the world is flat, that kind of across the globe, people are increasingly behaving the same way, that they have the same culture, that there's mm-hmm. some kind of convergence. But that's a very small group of people. Uh, and actually, most of the world is, is not flat. There's two very important uh, differences, cultural, administrative, political differences across the world. And I think it's, if we just believe the world is flat, uh, and we don't take into consideration all those differences. I think we are kind of bound to, to face a lot of problems because we take for granted in our international expansion that we should consider how different people are. Mm-hmm. Now, what about using knowledge that is familiar, the, the home company, the parent, if you will, uses what they know, and you call that going far for something close. How does that work? And we will get into that more when we talk with Steve King and with Mike Morell in the second segment and with all of you in our roundtable coming up soon. Um, what about the, the cultural aspects, and I know you study this, Felipe, the cultural aspects of just having like little branches or little arms out from the parent and not really localizing and embracing the local culture. How Does that work for or against uh, a multinational parent company? I think that the, I mean, more than the for and against, I think that the big question is uh, being aware that just establishing a subsidiary abroad uh, wouldn't naturally bring the local knowledge because there are so many selection processes in headquarters that many times you have those guys I don't know, back in Brazil and Japan, and they are seeing new things or they're seeing very specific things in those markets. But if you don't have the mechanisms of integrating them and really capture them, is kind of a lost opportunity. You, you see them, but you don't do anything with it. So that's why, and I think this is a very cool um, aspect of, of multinationals, is that they, they are exposed to those differences. They are exposed to those local innovations, but many times they, they don't do anything with it. Thank you. I'm going to ask you, we're just about heading to our break. I'm going to ask you and Brian Summer, you first, Felipe, what are you drinking today? Because the name of our show is Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we are a multinational radio show because we're on the web and anybody can listen to us almost any time of the day or night. So what are you drinking for your coffee break or whatever break it is? And where are you calling from, by the way, Felipe? I'm calling from Philadelphia. And, uh, oh, okay. So much Brazilian for multinational. No milk, no sugar. <laughs> Okay, and Brian Summer, where are you calling in from today? Well, I'm calling in from Chicago, but uh, I'm having an old Texas favorite. Uh, we used to call it Waco Belly Wash, but uh, you know, 
Dr. Pepper. Uh, but anyway, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Waco belly wash. We have a couple of, uh, couple of coffee tweets here, but just as we head to break, Malcolm, of course, is, uh, he says he wouldn't miss the shower a cup of Equator coffee, mocha java. Uh, Wendy has a cup of homemade chocolate cappuccino today. And Jeff is drinking Starbucks dark espresso. And if you'd like to tweet us and hear your name on the air, you can tweet to pound sign SAP radio coffee. We have one minute to go. I'm going to tell you that coming up in the next time and the next segment, we're going to talk to Steve King from Emergent Research about his theory that three quarters of global GDP growth over the next decade will come from emerging markets and talk about the, the, the need, the push, the desire, the passion for exploring these markets as a, in and of itself. And how do you do that? Is subsidiary the best way to go? So when we come back, we will have more with Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And don't even think of touching that dial. Justin, take us away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
And we're going to expand the table and bring a floor of people into the coffee break room here. I'm going to welcome Steve King from Emergent Research. Steve, I kicked off the entire topic today with your quote about global GDP. You want to tell me a little bit about what you found at Emergent Research in terms of the, the new middle class consumers are erising with their dollars or whatever form of monetary exchange in emerging market countries that companies want to capture today? Sure, and thanks for having me. Um, Pleasure. Couple, couple things. One, a lot of people are forecasting this this GDP shift to uh, emerging markets. It's not just us, and um, you know the World Bank has forecasts like this. Bain Consulting, McKinsey, uh, a lot, a lot of different firms, and so it's it's pretty broad based. And at a fundamental level, the emerging world, the emerging markets, particularly places like Brazil, India, and China, are growing at more than twice the rate, and, and right now three to four times the rate, and have been as the developed countries in U.S. and Europe and Japan. And so what you're seeing is a pretty big shift in terms of the speed of economic growth, speed of economic growth driving a shift to to international markets, and in particular emerging markets. And so if you're not participating there, um, you're very rapidly lo- potentially losing market share, but more importantly losing opportunity. There's just a lot of business going on in, in, in those parts of the world. Now, would you say that subsidiaries, or how should we term this? Should we say that it's going global, going multinational, hey, we've got a couple of subs? What is the terminology, and do you think it's becoming the quote-unquote sexy thing to do for small to mid-sized businesses to open their eyes, see the big world, and say, yeah, we want to be there and there and there, make it happen? So what, what, is it a passion? Is it a requirement? Is it something that's cool to do? Steve? Oh, I think, I think. Small to mid-sized businesses are recognizing the opportunity more than anything else. I think mm-hmm. a little bit of it is that they look at their domestic market, and if we're talking now about North American firms, and they're saying, gosh, it's not growing as fast as it is as it was, um, and they start to understand that there are these opportunities overseas. And as, um, and as uh, Brian mentioned earlier, it's gotten easier and, and cheaper to actually become an exporter or to develop overseas businesses, including setting up offices and um, setting up subsidiaries. So I think I think you're seeing a mix, but primarily it's a function of recognizing, starting to recognize the opportunities. Now, what does this do for a company's global competition profile or competitiveness quotient? I'll make that up, CQ. If if they spread the news that we're going to be expanding and we're buying company A, B, and C and country D, E, F, and G, how does that work in terms of their position in the business community? And I use community as a very broad global concept. Yeah, I think I think in their home markets, you, you tend to be viewed – um, as a bigger, um, more sophisticated company, if if you have some global presence, I think that has a positive impact on mm-hmm. your domestic markets. Obviously, I think if you're overseas and act- actively involved and have have a presence and, and potentially have subsidiaries in key markets, that makes it much more likely you're going to be successful in those key markets. And I I spent ten years running foreign subsidiaries of U.S. companies, and and without being over there, it's hard to it's hard to fully exploit the opportunities. So I think from a competitive standpoint, it makes you more competitive both in your home market and overseas. 
certainly does. Uh, how big or small should a company be when they start thinking about adding subsidiaries, Steve? In other words, um, I, I ask this question frequently on this show because we're speaking to the audience who loves to listen to the business channel here on our station. And we don't know exactly what size their company is or what level of maturity they are. So I always pose the question. Should a small company, when they're doing that business plan, that almighty document that they're going to show to family, friends, investors, uh, all kinds of people saying, look, I'm going into business or look, I'm, I have this great idea. Should they have a mapped out schedule for adding subsidiaries right from the get go, Steve, or wait until they can really handle it? Is that something you can plan from the start? Well, at a, at a startup level, unless the business um, is directly an international business. I, I don't think I would have a specific timing for, for my foreign subsidiaries. Um, but, a, but for any business, including startup businesses, you do need to start planning in advance and from the beginning about how you will exploit those markets. And in a lot of cases, it starts from just exporting and selling what you have and using tools like eBay and so forth, um, online tools, um, taking it to the next level, is potentially developing partnership relationships in, in key overseas markets where you might have a distributor or a sales agent that's not a company employee but um, has a business relationship and will, will help sell and support your goods and services over there. And then the next level is when you actually establish a presence, and it might initially just be a sales office and then further on a full, mm-hmm. full-blown subsidiary. So I think you have to start thinking about when you're going to take each of those steps and have that in, in mind and part of your plan, but I wouldn't say, you know, in two years we're going to have a subsidiary in China unless that's just a, you know, a key part of, of your business. Good advice. Thank you, Steve King. And we're going to turn to our final member to join the coffee break today, Mike Morell, my colleague at SAP. Welcome, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thank you. Good. You've got a voice made for radio, kid. I opened the show also with a quote from you. Subsidiaries have been the stepchildren of the corporate world, always a second priority. Do you see that changing, Mike? Absolutely. I mean, corporate organizations are are now looking at how they expand. We've talked about that so far in the show quite a bit. But I think what's happening is that as corporate organizations try to get the most value out of their subsidiaries, they're taking a step back and saying, what do I need to do differently than maybe I've done in the past? And uh, we talk a lot about how I'm going to manage my, my wide you know, uh, set of ecosystems uh, as it relates to subsidiaries. And, and what you have to do as a corporate organization is you have to sit back and say, okay, so if I'm going to get the highest value out of my subsidiaries, then what I need to do is make sure that I give them all the tools that's going to allow them to flourish in whatever location they are, because they're going to be competing against local players by and large. So I, I've got sort of these, these these conflicting goals, if you will, as a corporate organization. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I provide the tools to my subsidiaries that's going to make them flourish, that's going to make them competitive, that's going to allow them to be nimble and, and close to the customer on one side. But as a corporate organization, I, I also need some control. I need some governance uh, because I need to understand what they're doing and, and make sure that they're taking advantage of the fact that they're a subsidiary, that they've got a large corporate you know, father, mm-hmm. if you will, that's going to, uh, to give them some additional strength in the local marketplace. So I, so I think companies are looking at that and saying, okay, so how, how do we execute on that? And, uh, and what we see a lot of organizations talking about is this, this two-tier strategy. 
Mm-hmm. And, and what that means is that as a corporate organization, I've got certain processes that are complex, uh, and I've really got to be able to focus on things like, like efficiency and, and compliance. And in many cases, I need a lot of external integration with different uh, services. Um, and so when I, when, I, when I put these controls in place, you know, they, they can be expensive to implement. They can be expensive to manage. They can be slow. I need a lot of resources. And that's okay if I'm a large corporate organization. But mm-hmm. if I'm a small subsidiary out somewhere, um, you know, across the world, then I don't have those resources. I don't have the luxury of, of taking the time to implement something. I need to be quick. I need to be agile. It needs to be low cost. I, need, I, I don't have a lot of IT to support it. And so I need a different kind of solution. So when we talk about two-tier, we're talking about sort of this global solution, okay, that fits mm-hmm. sort of the global needs. And then we're talking about a separate kind of solution, typically fast, nimble, quick, cheap, uh, that, that are gonna, is going to be delivered to the subsidiaries, you know, and all the time still making sure that there's this communication that goes back and forth. So, so we, we think of sort of this best of both worlds, making sure that the corporate organization gets what they want, making sure that the subsidiary gets what they need, so that the whole ecosystem is more efficient. Mike, you talked about the father or the parent company, and I just to level set, I looked up how Wikipedia defines subsidiary, and, and they say a subsidiary company or daughter company is a company that is completely or partly owned or wholly controlled by another company that owns more than half of the stock. I don't want to get into that business uh, decision-making of exactly who owns what shares and what. But this brings to mind the question of control. If it's a father and a daughter or a father and a son, if we have that familial relationship or structure from the parent to the subsidiary, how much control do they really need? And this goes back somewhat to the cultural aspects that Felipe brought up earlier. In your opinion, Mike Morell, how much control do you have to have? Do you tell them exactly when to get to the office and, and uh, what kind of coffee to drink and what to wear? Do you let them have their local flavor and culture? Just quickly, what? how would you answer the cultural question, the control well, question? I mean, I mean, I absolutely agree with some other speakers where you have to minimize the amount of control and governance that you're placing on the subsidiaries. Because, again, it's about them operating in their local markets and competing with the local players. So you can't, you, you can't stifle their creativity. You can't stifle what's going to make them good. But what you want to do is still make sure that they're, they're doing things legally, that mm-hmm. you have a good understanding of, of, of financially what they're doing because as a corporate organization, you're responsible for that. Uh, so you've got to have these, and in many cases, you're going to have cross-functional processes that you've got to be able to manage. So, for example, you know, you might have a subsidiary that's selling directly to the customer, but maybe that product's getting shipped from another location or even from corporate. So you've got some cross-functional processes that have to be managed between corporate and its subsidiaries. So when I say control, I'm talking about basically more effective management of these of this communication mm-hmm. that has to happen to make sure that you've got sort of this this well-oiled ecosystem. Thank you Mike by the way coffee break what are you drinking today? So I'm more of a drip kind of guy and I'm drinking uh strawberry <laughs> Verona never heard you which is bold that but no. but a soft finish how about that? <laughs> Okay. Steve King, what's in your cup today for coffee break or whatever um, kind of break? I have Tivana White Ayurvedic Chai, um, reflecting the fact that I live in California. So 
Excuse me, we've never had that on the show. Well, welcome, however you pronounce it. I have to say that, let's see, Margot is one of our regular tweeters here, and she's having an espresso descaffeinato intenso. And let's see, Kristen is in Miami under the Florida sun with a cup of freshly, oh, this is good, freshly squeezed raspberry lemonade. And everybody knows that they don't, yes, what what were you going to say? Somebody had a comment. I'm not allowed to have caffeine on show day, so I'm just having regular uh, mocha decaf with light whip, and that's just just the way it is on show days. We have about, oh, a minute left. I'm going to just give you a heads up. When we come back, we launch into full tilt roundtable with all of my guests. So we're going to be talking about the hub and spoke original model for multi multinational corporations where it was a headquarters and a sub to a network model. We're going to talk about what style of business you and your subsidiaries want to be, get into a little bit about confederations and holding companies. We're going to talk about customizing existing goods and services for the local market and creating new goods and services for the local market and the changing supply chain. And we'll also talk a little deeper than we have about conflicting priorities between the needs of the Papa corporate and the daughter or son subsidiary. We've got a lot on our plate here at Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. If you want to tweet your coffee, tell us at pound sign SAP Radio Coffee. I'm watching for you. We'll be right back. Bye-bye for now. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. As a reminder, our topic today is subsidiaries. Smart game changer or global size headache. We haven't talked about the headaches, and we will in a couple minutes. My guests today are Brian Summer of TechVentive, Professor Felipe Montiero from the Wharton School of Business, Steve King at Emergent Research, and Mike Morell at SAP. Felipe, why don't you kick off this roundtable segment with a conversation about uh, hub and spoke versus the network model for corporations and their subsidiaries, please. Right, Bonnie. Uh, I think historically what's interesting, we started with the model of multinational as being the father or the mother, right, the parent, um, mm-hmm. who has something special and tells his or her daughter, saying, this is what you have to do in different countries. That's the, I mean, that's how multinational companies uh, emerge. I think the second stage we start thinking about, okay, maybe you should listen a bit more to your daughter and sons. I mean, maybe they have something <laughs> to tell you. And, and then we start saying, listen, subsidiaries are important to headquarters. They might be creating things that headquarters should be paying attention to. They might be exposed to different ecosystems, as Mike was saying. And so we, we start to give more importance to subsidiaries in their dialogue with the parent company. But I think today, in addition to that, a very important relationship is subsidiaries with other subsidiaries. So mm-hmm. using the same analogy we were using before in terms of family, I think as important as the relationship between parent and daughter or son is also very important how subsidiaries relate to each other. Because you imagine we have a subsidiary of Procter & Gamble in Brazil and or another emerging market, as Steve was saying, the importance of those emerging markets, they might be finding things which are very important to other emerging markets. So how the Chinese subsidiary of Procter & Gamble can learn from the Brazilian subsidiary mm-hmm. of Procter & Gamble and vice versa. So I think when we're trying to understand the importance of subsidiary in the, in of subsidiary integration, I think we should not only think about subsidiary and parent, but also the relationship well, we talk, among I was gonna subsidiaries. Say, uh, when we get into the family conversation, Felipe and everybody on the panel, we talk about siblings, we talk about kids growing into teens, growing into young adults, and responding adults who fully embrace their adulthood and can be more or less left on their own. The word headache comes to mind, and that is part of the, the title of today's show is Smart Game Changer or Global Size Headache. So who wants to jump in here and talk about the headaches? We talked about everything sounds rosy and wonderful. Get a subsidiary, go local, expand your market, tap into these untold trillions of gazillions of dollars in emerging markets and all these new consumers. Wonderful. Pie in the sky? Maybe not. Headaches. Um, Brian, Steve, yeah, Mike, me, who wants to start yeah, talking about headaches? On one, Bonnie. Um, I just lived a uh, rather fascinating project uh, earlier last year with a giant multinational. And they had originally what I would call a confederation of businesses around the world. They were all related to each other and they, you know, common ownership, if you will, but they all mm-hmm. functioned relatively independently in the different countries that these uh, sub- subsidiaries were located. 
Unfortunately, the companies come to realize that to compete well in the global world, they need to develop along two frontiers. They need to be more like a one firm in the way it uh, interacts, goes to market, develops products, even utilizes its uh, massive manufacturing capabilities. And unfortunately, they don't. They never bother to develop the leadership within all these different subsidiaries and make these ah. individuals more cosmopolitan to understand how they do things in all the different countries around the world. And what they now have is almost a crisis in their operating committee because hmm. nobody in that room knows anything about anything going on at the other subsidiaries. And now they've come to realize that they need to bring a lot more standardization in product, product design, manufacturing techniques, sales methods, distribution, you name it. And this transition from going from a family, a loose family of companies, mm-hmm. a confederation to a, like a single global juggernaut is a painful process. So if you're going to go global, you really need to think through your strategy up front and decide, like, where do we create the next generation of leaders? How do we make them more cosmopolitan? How standard do we need to make our businesses? Those are the kinds of questions that need to be asked, or otherwise you're going to have the expensive problem like this client of mine had this year, this last year. It sounds to me like the family needs to sit down at the dinner table more often and talk to each other, not to not to push our analogy to the depths where we don't want to go. But it sounds to me like there needs to be more conversation, communication, and maybe even trust and interest. Uh, Steve, what about you? You talk about creating new go- goods and services for the local market. Is this part of how you would be listening to a subsidiary where you're saying, fine, we bought you because you manufacture A, B, and C, and everybody loves them, but what about listening to them, how they would want to expand locally? What, what are your thoughts on that in terms of the, the parent and child relationship? Yeah, yeah to, to build on what Felipe said, a, a mm-hmm. lot of interesting stuff's happening around the world, and your, your international subs and your global people are probably aware of that, and that, but that doesn't mean your headquarters staff is. About oh, six or seven years ago, working with large corporations, um, we had them, our, our team had them visit Korea and had the Korean folks come over to the U.S. to explain what was going on with social media there. And at the time, Korea was a much more advanced social media market than North America or Europe, and frankly, the Americans were absolutely stunned at, at where mm-hmm. social media was. A similar thing was going on with cell phones at that point. And so you can, and today, a lot of low-cost innovation, innovation around how to create products more cheaply um, but still make really good products is going on in India, um, Brazil. And so you actually um, can tap that knowledge and bring that back to your larger home markets and, and exploit it that way. And so I think having a network organization where you're treating your, your foreign subsidiaries as equals or close to equals, um, I know politically equals would be hard, but, mm-hmm. um, but treating them that manner and, and giving them the freedom to, to operate within their markets, I think will lead to innovation and new opportunities that can very quickly spread all the way around the world. Now, we all know families have conflicts. Mike, you want to talk a little bit about the conflicting priorities between the corporate needs, goals, passions, mission, whatever you call it, and the needs of the subsidiaries in the context of we're talking about the local flavor, the local community. What, who wins those family squabbles, Mike Morell? Well, so, so I don't think 
it has to get down to that. At least I hope it doesn't. But one of the things that, that you have to look at is, is you have to say, okay, so what part of the business, the subsidiary business, you know, do I want to sort of encourage specific processes and what part do I want to sort of let them, you know, get out of the box and, and expand their horizons and then maybe, as we say, uh, make sure that they share that across the organization. So, you know, what a lot of customers are telling us is that, they want to be able to at least have some sort of set of standards around how they manage specific business processes. You know, and, and most of the companies that we have, of course, mo- most of our customers are, are, are large organizations. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've implemented solutions that have very specific business processes. And then what they're asking for is, how can I extend these business processes across my organization? So at least, you know, procurement happens in a similar way. And, mm-hmm. and the way that we satisfy customers' needs happens in a certain way, you know. Um, and, and, and that's not going to really stifle their creativity, but it is going to set a, uh, a set of standards around how I do business around the organization. And in many cases, you know, what you can do is you can encourage these subsidiaries to adopt, you know, solutions that, uh, that are the same across the organization. Okay? And so, so I would look at it and say, okay, so let's, let's pick sort of that, that set of, of processes that I'm going to say, you know what, these are best processes. Let's make sure we all use them so that we're all in the same, you know, we're all in alignment. And this set of activities, which is really related to creativity and how I'm going to compete more effectively in the marketplace, you mm-hmm. know, those are the kinds of things where I say, you know, go for it because we know you're great and we're just here to support you. Now, I realize we can't get into dollars and cents here because of the wide array of types of companies and markets and, and uh, different monetary systems, but I'd like to address quickly before the end of this segment the concept of setting up a subsidiary versus dismantling one if you have to cut it loose or just close it down. Um, Brian? Yeah, that one, uh, I hear that a lot actually with uh, technology companies. And the, you know, if all they're trying to do is set up like a sales agency in a given country, at a minimum, they're probably looking at maybe a, a four to ten million dollar kind of investment. And again, it's based on all those variables you just described. Mm-hmm. But if they're, if it's a, like a manufacturer, for example, they could be looking at a price tag easily fourteen million and above. Um, and uh, it gets more and more expensive with more and more kind of uh, more capital intensive um, environments that you move into. The cost of these are not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, I'd, I'd want to caution folks that in any of these deals, particularly if you involve a joint venture partner into creating one of these entities, that uh, people get enamored with the uh, oh we're setting it up and it just it sounds so fun and cool and everything else. You have to also be thinking very consciously about, do I have an exit strategy in that country? Mm-hmm. Because maybe labor conditions change, the government <laughs> regime may change, or whatever. You need to be thinking about, what do we do if we have to bail out of there? Hopefully what you could do is maybe sell it, but I know a lot of companies do not want to sell their subsidiaries because they don't want to turn that market and that capability over to a competitor. But if they choose to let it go, some countries, their labor laws are such that it's really, really, really hard to, uh, to let go of people once you've hired them. And uh, that becomes a very expensive proposition. So don't just look at the entry cost of setting up a subsidiary. Definitely look at the exit cost as well, because that could change your mind about are you even in the right country that you want to set this operation up. 
Brian, quick question before we go to break. Do you need a whole separate department set up when you're ready to establish a subsidiary? Do you need legal muscle? Do you need legal eagles on the ground in any country you're considering buying or setting up a new business in? Do you need to have uh, all kinds of, I'll call it muscle, to help you make the decision and, and, as you said, the plan and the strategy and the exit strategy? Do you need a whole whole new department just to think about it? You do need you definitely want some help with folks who are very conversant on local laws, local accounting standards and practices, and so forth. There's no, there's no way around that one. Uh, there are some shared service opportunities where you might be able to collapse some of that knowledge in uh, outside of the country, but uh, by and large, you do need some local representation. Um, you don't have to replicate everything, though. In fact, if you're subsidiary uh, strategy is to move into adjacent countries like moving from the U.S. to Canada, you might be able to mm-hmm. leverage a lot more shared operations, uh, let's say in the U.S., if that's where you're based out of, uh, that can work in both markets. But you, And same thing within the European Union. But once you start you know, moving much further away, expect to, uh, to line up a stronger local team to help you get through all the the uh, landmines you might trip across if you're not careful. Thanks for the good information. We're ready to go to our final break. When we come back, you know what's coming. We're going to talk about Crystal Ball 2017. I'm going to ask all four of my esteemed guests what they think about the future of subsidiaries. Will today's subs define which businesses survive and fail in the next five years? What will the subsidiary experience look like? Will we even call it a subsidiary? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with these words of wisdoms from my special guest. Wisdoms. I like that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that dial. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Zoom Leadership It's the big picture issues of the day up close and personal capabilities of leadership and a desirable future of constant renewal Zoom Leadership It's the economic crisis made clear patterns and perspectives of leadership and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time 11 a.m. Pacific Time Zoom Leadership An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Just had a tweet from one of our regular listeners, and he said, Bonnie, thank you to your guests for helping to make what could have been a very boring topic into something very exciting and compelling. So there's instant feedback. So much for social media and social business. Okay, to my panelists, we have, let's see, we're going to start with Brian Summer from TechVented. Brian, look into your crystal ball. And predict how today's definition and concept of subsidiaries may or could or will change by 2017. Go. All right. Well, uh, first thing I would tell you is that I think the world's waking up to the fact that you don't need to do it all in one country, that there are some very significant benefits where one can find uh, reasons to be in certain countries because of access to raw materials, other countries for access to low-cost labor, other countries to access to highly skilled labor, and so forth. So companies have to will be rethinking how they deploy their assets and their their uh, productive machinery, if you will, to the best advantage uh, all the way around. Second thing, I think trade alliances like NAFTA and others are going to continue to be a uh, uh, a force that causes adjustments to the subsidiary kind of structures that companies have. And third, we can all hope and pray that someday we might actually have a single global accounting standard, but I Ooh. doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, <laughs> I doubt that, uh, too. No Laughter from the audience. Say. We're going to move to, thank you, Brian Summer, Professor El Felipe Montiero. Look ahead, 2017. I know you love to do your research, and I'm sure you love predictions. So what sayest you, Felipe? Listen, Bonnie, I think, let me go back where I started with this idea that the world's not flat and there's no indication that it will be. I think that the most productive way of thinking about what's going to happen is to acknowledge, on the one hand, that there are kind of great opportunities, as uh, Brian was saying, in terms of having different things in different parts of the world. And I think those subsidiaries will increasingly have a kind of a very strong importance in kind of in global strategy and how multinationals are developing their strategy worldwide. So I think subsidiaries will continue to be a very important topic. At the same time, I think we should, and especially those of us who are really involved in kind of in the global um, community, is really to keep acknowledging and keep kind of taking advantage of the differences that we have across the world. So... I don't think that we'll, I mean, Brian said that we'd have one unique accounting system. I think that we will find some commonalities, and I think we should kind of leverage those commonalities. But also I think it's beautiful and will continue to be that different countries, different places will find different ways of doing business, different ways of kind of meeting customers' needs. And, and I think leveraging those differences, arbitrating on those differences, recognize those differences is something very good and that multinationals should continue to do. Thank you, Felipe. And we're going to move to Steve King at Emergent Research 2017. Steve? Well, two things. One is just as our businesses are looking overseas, businesses from the overseas markets are looking at the U.S. and they see a large, attractive market, stable, growing um, slowly but nicely. And so 
one of the things you have to keep in mind is that foreign companies are going to be creating a lot more U.S. subsidiaries. So you're going to be seeing new competitors coming into your space um, if you haven't gone over there or whether or not you've gone over there. So one trend that's clearly happening is more and more foreign companies are setting up shop in the U.S. and Uh that continuing to happen. Um, The second thing is you look at exports, you know, they've gone from about 8% of U.S. GDP in the mid-80s to about 14% last year. Um, We see that continuing to grow rapidly. We think U.S. companies are really well positioned, particularly small and mid-sized firms are now ready to start exporting. They may or may not set up foreign subsidiaries, but we see that continuing to grow. And we think by 2017, you're going to be looking at 16 or 17 percent of our GDP coming from exports. So we're, we're going to see small and mid-sized companies continue to exploit this and move forward. So those are our two key forecasts. Thank you very much. Great points, and you got some new conversation in there. We might have to do a um, second part of this show. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing all of you again. And Mike Morell at SAP. Mike, we didn't get a chance to talk about I'll Take My Wine with Chocolate, your blog, but that's another conversation. What are your predictions, Mike Morell, for 2017, please? So, Bonnie, you know I'm a manufacturing guy. I've been doing this forever. But mm-hmm. one of the things, and we've been talking about, uh, subsidiaries, mostly in the context of manufacturing subsidiaries, but uh, you know our preliminary research shows that that manufacturing is probably only 25 percent of subsidiaries, and so I think part of the big opportunity that people are going to look at is how do I make sure that the other types of subsidiaries, service you know service delivery, uh, you know project based uh, sales offices, distribution centers, you know, not hardcore manufacturing, but sort of the stuff that, that maybe is in support of a product, but is generating a lot of revenue. Um, people are really going to look at that kind of subsidiary, which I, I would argue is probably 75% of the subsidiaries out there, and they're going to try and figure out how do they can make sure that the cross-functional processes associated with these, okay, are as efficient mm-hmm. as possible and as profitable as possible. So, so let's not sort of lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of other subsidiaries that are not manufacturing, and we need to make sure that we can satisfy their needs as well. Great point. Thank you, Mike Morell. And I have to do some shout-outs here. I want to tell our listeners what's coming up next week, February 8th. Our topic is 21st Century CIO. What does the I stand for now? Oh, my goodness. That's a big topic. And we'll be broadcasting live from a special CIO transformation event happening in Palo Alto, California, with some questions and answers from audience participants. That'll be very exciting. February 15th, you know what day that is, Valentine's Day postmortem. What should you have bought him or her yesterday? We're going to be talking with experts about customer loyalty and how the retailer can help guide your purchases and get you back. February 22nd, we'll be talking about business intelligence goes on the road. February 29th, customer strategies. Shout outs and thank you to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm, Kimberlin, Wendy, and Nesbeth, Margot Heiligman, Carolyn Brock, and World Talk Radio family. And a shout out to Kristen, you're doing great. And mom, happy birthday. It's the big one. We have 30 seconds to go. I want to thank my special guest, Brian Summer, El Felipe Montiero, our professor of the day, Steve King, and Mike Morell. You've been wonderful, interesting, 
passionate about your topic, and I'm going on record as inviting all of you back in May 2012. And the topic probably will be something along the lines of, is the world flat? Do we want it to be? And Felipe, you'll be the lead on that. Thanks all for listening. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Go out and pour yourself a cup of something great. Remember, we'll be back next week with more Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.